0: Hello and welcome to the Classroom Critics Podcast, a uh, film studies podcast by teachers, and often in a classroom. We are uh, literally in a classroom today, and we might hear some uh, some bells. We're off duty today, and students aren't here, so we decided that we'd uh, we'd produce a uh, podcast on a film that we literally just watched called Match Point, written and directed by Woody Allen, two thousand five, and uh, we're literally giving uh, well I. We've seen it before, um, but with the exception of uh, Walt Freeman. Um, But actually, while I'm at it, I'm here with Walter Freeman. My name is Bill Ivers and uh, also Mike Mulvey. And uh, Walter has not seen this before uh, until today, so we'll get some fresh impressions by him. Um, And honestly, it's been a while since I've seen it, too, so I'm kind of looking at it with new eyes. Um, And you teach it regularly, right, Mike? Mm -hmm. So... um, yeah, it's considered a. Uh, it's often in our unit on film noir. We often show it as an example to the students as uh, neo noir and the the long-reaching influence of the noir uh, movement from the '40s and into the '50s. And you um, I guess I guess introducing this movie, it's, it's a, a film. I guess that Woody Allen has said since that it was. A rare exception in his body of work where a film actually turned out how he wanted it to turn out. He's perpetually unsatisfied with the results of a lot of his movies. You know, he's very um, hard on himself, but he was pleased with this, and critics were pleased as well. This, this, this movie did pretty well. Yeah,
1: it did well since, uh, box office wise as well. Right, Never right. earned a lot of money. Right, right. It's one of his bigger money makers.
0: Definitely. So, um, I guess to kick us off, um, I don't know, I'm know, i very curious well I just just any f- first initial reactions um, go as deep as you want I have some questions here for the panel here but you know what do you think just
2: um, I think Woody Allen moves noir into the modern age where he maintains a lot of the tropes of the genre but also uh, adds a few other things you know not heavily reliance on shadows and such right. uh, but certainly a lot of smoking um, mm-hmm. and, and morally corrupt characters. I don't want to step on a comment Mike had made off mic, um, but you, know, you had talked about how your students often mistake this film for a different genre right. until it turns very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll let you elaborate. Yeah, they often think it's a
1: romance there, because I show it at the end of the film noir as we're about to start the romance unit, so they often confuse the two. I think it's a romance initially.
0: Mhm. Yeah, because it
1: has it has noir tech, you know, definitely tendencies towards it. I don't think it's, you know, ultimately classic film noir. I mean, I often say to the kids, you know, if you notice that in most film noirs, people aren't nice to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're nice to each other in this, you know, for the most part. There's some obviously not so nice moments whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean to say it's inspired is probably the it's probably accurate but yeah, yeah. The, the, the central I mean, she's character she's
1: definitely a femme fatale to some degree right. bring him into a you know right half of life that he may not necessarily have gone down
0: right and she doesn't successfully bring down right the, the protagonist which is a right.
1: which I don't think was her intention you know but,
0: right which yeah. you see that in a lot of noir films where mm-hmm. the, the protagonist is brought down by his own yeah. which I guess will when it comes down to it we'll be, we'll be discussing the the fact that there was no comeuppance but uh, I just yeah. want to finish though on my first impression uh,
2: that I, I was actually shocked by the film and, and it did not end how I expected. And normally I think in the noir, you know, there's, there's this sort of inevitability to things. Whereas here, because there's nice people in the film and people you're not constantly rooting against, I think in the end it was actually more horrifying. I mean, I actually verbally reacted to uh, several parts in the film that mm-hmm. normally I, I rarely do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, before we start getting into the you know the deeper meaning and the I guess the essential overall statement of it, um, is it important that this movie takes place in London? Um, we mentioned bef- I mentioned before uh, we were rolling here that um, I heard an interview that Woody Allen originally wrote this to be uh, again a, a New York story or a um, you know other Hamptons um, to be specific, and. Um, and I guess funding fell through or he couldn't get the funding for the film from an American um, distributor or company, so he took his uh, production company to to London. Um, so he had to sort of tweak the script a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is, is it important? Is, is, doesn't London play a significant role in this? Does the geography, like in a, let's say, a classic noir film, is it important that it takes place? Where it takes I, place. Know, I
1: didn't really feel it that much. I mean, you know, other than a couple of street shots, it's not. You don't really know that it's in London. It's some, see, you know, obviously, you see the Big Ben, House of Parliament, you know, Palace of Westminster, and all that. Yeah, you know, from there. Um, vantage point of their apartment. But yeah. yeah, beyond that, when she walks down, what was it, Ledbury Road mm-hmm. or something where she worked, you see the street sign.
0: Yeah. I think the important thing is it takes place in this kind of cloistered mm-hmm. rich existence, yeah. whether it's in you know, the Hamptons or, right. or Upper Crust you know I can see when, it taking place in the Hamptons though. Yeah, I think it would work. Yeah. But well.
2: well, as you you know, you said in, in a lot of his earlier films, Manhattan is is as much of a yeah. character in the film as anyone else. Whereas here, he frames everything nicely, the locations are beautiful, they add, you know, they add a lot to the, the wealth of the characters, but I don't think it's a distinctly London story.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and you only see one
1: perspective of London and that's you know, vast wealth. Like yes. huge wealth, like that privileged tennis club where he works. hmm You know, I'm sure he... I'm sure he definitely purposely worked there to mix and mingle with, like, the richest of the rich. Yep. You know, and she says, oh, I grew up in Belgravia, you know, and that's where they more or less, you know, meander through.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, and
1: I mean, that apartment is just stunning.
0: Yes. Oh,
2: yeah. When they turn and you see the shot of the yeah. Thames and, and the landscape of London. I can't imagine
1: how much that costs. Right. I often wonder if that's a purchased condo or if it's a lease or whatever. Right, you know, right. How much, regardless how much it must be in that case. <laughs> yeah, you know, well beyond my means.
0: I guess <laughs> the important thing is that we are shown that, you know, we're shown what he could potentially be giving giving up. Right. Um, yeah, once you dip your toe into that pond,
1: it's kind of hard to oh, yeah. you know, go back... To, you know, to be in the
0: poor schlub that has to give tennis lessons. Even even when it's Scarlett Johansson we're talking about. By the way, let me f- say we're going to be doing some uh, some, some um, spoilers, right? Where we're oh, gonna, yeah. we're going to assume that everyone listening is is um, you know is familiar with the film, has seen the film. So just uh, that's your uh, your warning there. So and if you have not, definitely turn this off, see the film, and then listen to what Indeed. we have to say. Indeed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, so you know, I think. It's pretty much put forward at the beginning of the movie with a voiceover narration, which is the only time it happens in the film. Right? It's uh, oh, right. Cr- the Christopher character at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. with the uh, meta- you know it's, the metaphor is really kind of almost uh, presented on a silver platter, you know, and you have mm-hmm. the quote, "I'd rather be lucky than than good," um, and so we we eventually realize what that what that means. I think, um, I think it's interesting, though, that some of the students that you mentioned, Mike, that um, they take it at first as a romantic comedy. Because I think it's, from the very beginning, it's it, the tone of it's pretty somber and, and, and mm. bleak. And, you know, you, you have, like, the, um, I think, the very well-chosen um, music at the beginning, which is, um, oh, you know, just... Is it, uh, yeah, that's very
1: from, somber. Like you said, somber and just kind of...
0: The opera theme, theme. Yeah. The opera theme. Right. Um yeah, it's interesting that he pl- that it's not a, a new recording of mm-hmm. you know can't tell you what opera it is, but um, it's sounds like it was pulled out of uh, a oh, vinyl a sleeve. Opera
2: fan.
0: Yes, definitely it's called, yeah. from his personal collection. No
2: I, I just think it's just very very wonderful um, that you know with the metaphor that you said the ball could go over the net or or fall short, and it's a, just a matter of luck. And there's a moment where the ball bounces up, and that's where he pauses it. And then later in the film, there's obviously the other image. But then there's also a moment in the police station where you know it, it almost looks like the ball is poised over the net. The police officer had the epiphany; things look like they may go one way or the other, and, and it's just a nice sort of parallelism throughout the film. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and that whole pervasive,
1: you know, like is it better to be, you know, lucky or you know, Good. whatever it may be, and you know, she says at one point, "Oh, I don't believe in luck. I believe in hard work," and it's like. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> you know, you're the luck of being born into that family—like you've ever worked a hard day in your life, I know, you know. Huh?
2: Yeah. And even at the end, when they're toasting, um, that, that's yeah. the toast that the father says. Maybe right. be
1: lucky. And did you notice they had a you know nanny with them right then? You know, so she's not going to be having to deal with the oh, know, know. dirty diapers or anything. Oh, like. I know. Yeah.
0: yeah if, if it gets too stressful, just right. take take her away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, was, we can start with the performances. I, th- you know, I think. Uh, you know, from top to bottom, you know, even the smaller character roles, you know, there, there's just so many interesting performances in this film, so many interesting choices. And um, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers is just, I think, uh, wonderfully cast mm-hmm. in this role. He's, I don't know, I I think we'll perhaps talk more about it going, you know, but I, he, he's just very icy, you know, in a way. You know, he, you know, I, I can't really... I'm, and one question maybe I'll just throw out there now. Um, is he a sociopath? The character? The character. Yeah,
1: I would say so. Especially memorizing the number. You know, tell me your phone number. And she says it once. Mm-hmm. That's a sign of sociopathology right there. You, yeah. Yeah, and to think that he could murder you know, murder without any equivocation. Yeah. You know, he has one moment in the taxi where he's sniffling a little bit, and then huh. he just kind of shakes it off. Mm-hmm. You know, after he shot the old lady as well, but,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he can bring himself to do this.
1: Mm-hmm. And wake up the next morning.
0: Right, And yep. but but still have right. this, like, somewhat, you know, breakdown right? after both of them. So what do you think?
2: Well, he's, uh, he's again, well cast. He's, he's absolutely gorgeous to look at. Yeah. You know, his face is beautiful. His mm-hmm. eyes are amazing, but they have the odd sort of duality of being both attractive and empty at the same time when right. mm-hmm. you look at him. Yeah, you um, hit the nail on the head there. I think so. Um, and, it, and it's, it's incredible. And, and you see, if you watch the film, at first you're thinking maybe he's not capable of this. And then you realize from early on, he was. He's very much a social climber and a manipulative person. Um, he seems to recognize humanity and others, but not necessarily you know, acknowledge it. Uh, but there is that moment where he has the, the dream sequence where he sees the, the, the folks mm-hmm. he killed talking to him, but yet... And he rationalizes
1: what he's done. Yeah. You know, Sometimes it's better to have been, never been born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah,
2: Yeah, so it's weird because normally you think you'd be haunted by those images and, and you would have an emotional reaction. and Instead, he throws philosophy at them, mm-hmm. to Right. Justify
1: his means. Well, remember at the beginning of the book, I mean, the beginning of the movie where he's reading Crime and Punishment, then he has the notes to kind (laughs) of, you know, probably give him little, you know, witty things or clever things to
2: say about it. Sure. He reminds me of uh, the character of Otto in A Fish Call Wanda where he reads Mm -hmm. philosophy but he doesn't understand any of it. Right. This guy, I guess, he's smart enough to know his own limitations. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he does do that.
1: Right. Just enough to impress somebody. You know, because he probably purposely did that with the father. You know, he said very interesting things about
2: Dostoevsky the other day, mm-hmm. you know. and like, He, he asked, at one point he asks Scarlett Johansson's character, do you realize the effect that you have on right. men? And she doesn't answer, but you almost could ask him the same question. He's well aware of the effect he has on women, his attractiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, true. you know, uses it to his advantage. Right. Yeah. And he is kind of like the character, was the Raskolnikov
1: in, crime punishment gets away with murder. I mean, he had, you know, that character just wants to do it for the sake of seeing if he can, you know, and, and ultimately he does. But, you know, and then in this, you know, movie, he, it's not like he, you know, he had purpose behind with what he's doing in this. But
2: When do you think he decides that's the path he has to go to, to hold on to everything he has? When when do you think he's... That sleepless, restless night he has.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if we can... move back up just a little bit, do you think that there are indications that show that he is capable of something like that throughout the movie, or do you think it's just sort of out of left field? I mean, could we safely criticize the writing, or instead it to say that, you know, maybe um, this doesn't seem within character, or maybe that's the statement there, that um, Woody Allen is saying that more people are probably capable of this than, you don't necessarily have to be a sociopath, you could just be desperate. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think? Is there anything?
1: I don't think there's much to him, you know, because he doesn't, you don't find out about any member of his family. He talks about his father. Uh I don't know if I believe that story. Right. You know, that he was religiously, you know, like lost his legs, but found Jesus.
0: Yeah. You know, I
1: don't know if I believe the story about the, you know, guy that he worked for, that he had to clean the Aston Martin, you know. That's true. I mean, you, know, you, just, you meet everybody else's family, essentially. You know, um, Noah tells you about her sister, tells you about her father, her mother, etc. You know, so there's some depth to them
2: there, but with him... I don't he, know about car detailing, but I'm pretty sure if you put a toothbrush on it and the finish on an Aston Martin, yeah. you're not going to keep your job for very right. long. Yeah. I, you know, He's a taker in the entire film. He, yep. like, he doesn't really put up a struggle when she keeps lavishing, my father's going to give you a job, right. my father's going to give you money. He kind of pushes back enough a for the appearances. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, yeah, I think he's definitely uh, shown that you know th- that's what he wanted all along, mm-hmm. and, and he's willing to hold oh, on. And he acclimates to it immediately, yeah. you know,
0: right.
1: like with a chauffeur, and you know, he went to go. Remember, he bought that sweater because Tom had the sweater. Yeah, you know, so he's he mm-hmm. knows what to buy now. But sure. he did
2: get the fabric wrong, right? He was he, he was th- wondering what the fabric was. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah so I, I don't know. It's it's tough, but he uh, he clearly. Um, you know, the only thing that's out of character, I think it's, it's less out of character <laughs> the murders he committed than he is that he threw it all away for lust. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I would think that he could have lusted after, he could have probably successfully bedded any number of women. I mean, sure, right. Scarlett Johansson is, is very beautiful, but um, it almost seems as if that's the part to me that was out of character for him. He, and there, that will ruin his life. Or you
0: know, yeah. yeah, there doesn't seem to be any struggle. Like as soon as he meets Scarlett Johansson's character, within that's it. That's he he doesn't ask himself, should I? or Should I not? He mm-hmm. he sort of just goes after it. And I know. Um, I mean, so maybe that is a sign. that's in character of him that he doesn't. He, he's so depraved in his nature that there is no real struggle where most people, um, regardless of how attractive they find. Someone else would would he, would he even have like a they would at least have a moment of like you know I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes and maybe mm-hmm. try to give myself a bit of a like a like a way out
2: right and she's cast off by his brother-in-law fairly early on in the story too and you know she's you know she's obviously beautifully shot beautiful woman um, and yet uh, the the the, the the brother-in-law doesn't necessarily, you know, succumb to her charms beyond a certain point. You think she's beautiful? I do. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I got, yeah. yeah, I think she's one of the most beautiful yeah. people on earth. No. But, uh, yeah. um, Just
1: kidding.
2: Meh. No, I know, but I. Uh, the, yeah, she's um, stunning in this movie. No, but she is. But, she, but he, he, you know, he's she. He's meant to be seduced by that, and yet the brother in law, who's far less, you know, attractive than Jonathan Rhys meyers and all, he's, he's able to sort of cast her off and, and actually is having an affair on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a woman he's not, like, manners. if I were to
1: come into finding them in the compromising position that they were in when they were playing table tennis, I might be a little taken aback by that. Yeah, there's a lot of familiarity. You know. Yeah. I mean, he gets, you know, his arm right around her, you know, it's, it's
2: a very intimate moment. Yeah. Yeah. Are they meant to be almost to a point similar creatures, Scarlett Johansson and Jonathan Meyers? But then it turns out, you know, she's really more, her emotionality is her undoing and his coldness. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know. Um, do you think if Christopher, you know, uh, went to his wife with the truth, do you think there was any possible way of? Rectifying the situation, or do you think?
1: I think Chloe is equally as egotistical as he, without really kind of admitting to it. So no,
2: she would be morally taken aback, you know. She's a little more passive aggressive. Yeah. But, but she she guesses right at it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We, and I'm I'm sorry, but I think the the amount of phone calls he receives in the presence of others is it was it was a little much. But. Uh, mm-hmm. um, She's almost immediately. Are you having an affair? And right. she she seems like she's sort of deduced it, and is comfortable with that deduction, though she's hurt by it. I yeah, think, I think she. I wonder if she would have said, "Well." Don't.
1: I think it was a casual affair, perhaps. But with Nola it might be a little bit more. Yeah. You know, because that takes some manipulation on his part, especially after having seen her at the Tate Modern, like with her. You know, with Chloe there, she might have been a little bit more offended.
0: You know? Right. 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 I think I got your answer. Well, do you think uh, Christopher was is sociopathic or just desperate, uh, obviously depraved? But do you think he's? a... Uh, what do you think?
2: I, you know, it's funny. Uh, a sociopath is such an extreme thing, and, and yet he he's manipulative, definitely narcissistic. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I would have. I, I found the decision he came to rather quick. Uh, so, I guess maybe he is. Uh, but but I mean, he chose a very violent way mm. to, to carry those things Bold. out. Yeah. yeah. And he does react to the things, you know, um, the first time he shoots a woman, he's, he's sickened by it. And I mean, yeah, it does pass quickly. So, I think he's definitely on the path mm-hmm. <laughs> of being a sociopath. I don't know if he's full war. <clears throat> I think, but it's at the point where it came to, you know, I, I've got to do this to keep what I have he follows through rather quickly Mm -hmm. (coughs) I'd have to
1: look up you don't see too much emotion range in his face either you ever have you know can you vividly remember a scene in which he really laughs genuinely no you know you don't see his face too much I mean and I think that's part of the the actor himself you know like thinking about his career I don't think
2: I've ever seen him in a comedy no, I mean, she. <laughs> you know, his wife yeah. asked him a number of times. you know, you seem moody today, and I'm like, how can you tell? Like, I know, right? <laughs> looks the Just same. It's very stoic face. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. So um, I think that that kind of reflects the sociopathology a little bit there too.
2: Right. You know. Right. Good. Well, I was going to ask what's, what's the, the definition of, of, of sociopath yeah. uh, that, that we're working with here? Because I know there's a couple of different personality disorders. I think, like um, the, you know, that
1: there's no moral equivocation for any. Th- there's justification for what you do. Like you know, when the whole O.J. thing happened, you know, they gave him a um, lie detector test and he passed the flying colors. So if you genuinely believe that, you know, you didn't do it. Yeah, you
2: know, I wonder you know how Woody that. Allen saw it because he, he he gives him a number of scenes where there seems to be guilt, there seems to be regret, there mm-hmm. seems to be you know, shaking at one point right. after it happened. So I'm not sure. If I go full bore sociopath, but definitely, there's definitely, you know, emotional detachment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess the film that this is compared most uh, to in Woody Allen's body of work it's Crime and Misdemeanors. And uh,
1: it's almost like, you know, a totally identical plot.
0: Very, very close. And and the, the central character, Judah. Mm hmm. Um, played by Walter Matthau, right? No. Not um, Walter Matthau. Um, what's his
1: name? Martin Landau. Martin Landau. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, yeah there's a scene, actually, it goes a bit further than, than uh, Match Point, where uh, Judah's character, he talks at the end, and he's, uh, you know... But he hires he, his
1: brother to do it, too. That
0: yeah, way. yeah. And he also... Um, he kind of it, the implication is that he goes on and lives a very happy life
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, he's at you know the final scene he's at his daughter's wedding
1: right
0: um, and by all indica- all indications he has forgiven himself mm-hmm. he's he has the ability to compartmentalize this right and hey, you know the the, the, the idea is, is is that if you can forgive yourself then you're home free you know in a world in Woody Allen's world where You know, there's no divine justice. You know, if if you can forgive yourself and society forgives you, that's absolutely the end. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. If your
1: conscience isn't Uh, gnawing at you the whole time or something. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, But my question is is that possible?
1: Who knows? I mean, if we knew, then we probably be right? socialize.
2: Mean, yeah, that's good. Good that you can't conceive yeah. of that, Bill. We're, we all feel a little safer. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I think you know the fact. I think he in the crimes of misdemeanors, he kind of probably can justify because he's hired his brother to do it. You know, he hasn't had a hand in it per se. You know, even his brother kind of says, "Oh, you, know, you only need me when you have to do something dirty."
0: Through yeah. some
1: you know. Yeah. And so he doesn't really associate, so, um, socialize with his brother. Because it's in his mind, his brothers beneath them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. You know, it's. Uh, it's you I've know, never run across a sociopath in my existence. So I don't
0: know and they, they exist. You know, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are pe- there are people. I mean, hitmen, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, not that I know any person, right. <laughs> but they do exist. Uh, and I, I guess there's. I don't know how, but. In their world, in their mind, they're able to, again, view it as business. Whoever
1: they're doing it has deserved it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, you look at folks who, you know, technically are legally allowed to kill, you know, soldiers in combat Mm -hmm. and all, and yet many of them, and tragically way too many, suffer from the guilt from that PTSD and the number of soldiers who commit suicide with it is, you know, epic proportions. and. Mm. You know, technically, they're supposed they're, they're doing their job, and yet the toll it takes on them is tremendous. Whereas, you know, this guy goes from zero to you could argue triple shotgun murder, mm-hmm. and then moves on with his life. Right, mm-hmm. he goes to see a play. Yeah, other than that, you know, like a light musical. Yeah.
0: You know, the shot at the end, though, it makes me wonder. Yeah. How this is going to be for him? You know, he's again we, we we've mentioned before that he has so you know a similar expression, a dark one, but. What you know the look at the end as he's looking out at that incredible view you know it could say a few things you know it could say uh, maybe there's a sense of satisfaction
1: mm-hmm.
0: in his expression or perhaps I mean I think that may, may be the strength of having an actor like Jonathan Reese Myers and you can sort of read anything into it mm-hmm. you know maybe there's satisfaction in that expression maybe there's.
1: Um, and Maybe he realizes he's never going to be that passionate about anything again in his life. To, yeah. You know,
0: I mean, yeah,
1: he exactly. just shot Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. You're know, never going to have sex with her ever again. Right. You know, and, you know, regardless of, you know, for him, that was fun. You know, it was a great time. He's never going to, he's probably acquiesced to a life of misery
2: with his wife. You know, because
1: she comes up to him, his la- the last line is what? Hope the next one's a girl.
2: He's like, oh, great. I'm thinking, Do you, all that again? <laughs> you know he's going to be uh, having more affairs. and, yeah. and, this and I mean, I almost was rooting for it to unravel for him. Uh, you know, it's I was kind of hoping those cops would, would rise right. above. Because from, right from the get-go, from the crime scene, the cops were like, this is a drug murder yep. scene. <laughs> uh, they, they say it so many times. It's like, wow, you really pre-solved this. I was hoping that that one cop would, you know, that revelation would lead somewhere. And, and it, it, I got to, you know, Kudos to Woody Allen for his writing. I was completely shocked by the ending.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think within us there's a a need for art to um, sort of reinforce our moral suppositions, right? Right.
1: Yeah, the bad guy doesn't get away with it.
0: Right. So I think sometimes when we see, and this may bring up what you were talking about with with Joker, uh, sometimes art can... throw it all back in our face and say, well... W- He's a
1: really bad guy. What do you think
0: now? Right. Yeah. And he got away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, joker's I, I joke myself, another po- podcast entirely, but the... Uh, <laughs> I have a lot which, to say on that. Which, which yeah. I'm looking forward to. I, mm-hmm. I really would like to do one on that. Um, but in this case, you know, I think when I first started, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm probably thinking to myself... Um, yeah, he's probably going to get caught here. He's, he's, he's dead. You know, the ring didn't go over. Um, he's unlucky. And
1: I thought that that was the point that the film was trying to make right at that moment. Yeah. Like when it just bounced back, you're like, oh. <laughs> wow.
0: It's a twist, though, but it's not. It, it, I didn't find it to be a gratuitous twist like in an no. M. Night Shyamalan film. You right. Know, I think it is. Well, he was you know, dead long the whole time? time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's modern. The Village is not actually in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> <1800s. laughs> Aliens
2: can't touch water,
0: but they invade a planet that's eighty percent water. Can't <laughs>
2: yeah, use doorknobs, but they right. yeah. do space travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Answer that.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think it brings us to like one of the central questions here is um, we've
2: ruined a lot of films. <laughs> I know,
0: <laughs> yeah. really sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Um, do you agree with the the premise that luck plays? I mean, we we all agree that luck plays um, a role in our lives, but do you think it plays a hugely significant role in our lives um, more than we actually feel comfortable admitting.
1: I would say so, yeah. I, from my perspective, you know, not like becoming a teacher is the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me or anything like that, but it's something that I definitely wanted. The first job I got is because I luckily had the lady who interviewed me had red hair. <laughs> you know?
0: Uh-huh. You but if it. she didn't. All right.
1: You know, that was kind of like, when I first started teaching, it was hard to get a job you know, it was you were competing against at least 100 people for every job, yeah, you know, uh-huh. and it's usually the same 100 people, but obviously, but, you know, like what distinguished me from any other run-of-the-mill English teacher?
0: Sure, sure. You know. Right. And now your students are lucky.
1: Yeah, yes. God bless me. <laughs> yeah. You know. But I mean, like, you know, winning the lottery, yeah. <coughs> you know, kind of like falling in like, somebody who invents something. You know what I mean? Is that luck or is it?
0: You well, know? In a lot of cases ten people invent the same thing at the same time right but the one person happens to beat yeah. them out for the patent or the marketing and all that uh, I, I think one lucky thing that happened um, in this film that you got to go way back to the beginning is the fact that Jonathan Reese Myers happens to get a particular student right who he clicks with and uh, if I don't know if he, if he got the job too late too early mm-hmm. or you know it, there's so many things that happen or could or don't happen that you know decide our fate.
1: I could see him easily being like the, you know, kind of like the pool boy type of thing at that club for like rich older women, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like being their beautiful
2: boy toy. Yeah, you know. You know, I have to be honest, in the early scenes when he first met the, the, bro- Tom, mm-hmm. the brother Tom, brother, I thought they were flirting. Yeah, uh, and I thought that he was willing to, you know, sort of his lack of emotionality allows him to. Remain in the situation and yet see which way the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. You know, he did that. let to say there wasn't a Chloe, it would have been yeah. Tom. Yeah, right. yeah. Was, he, he just saw that it was things were being offered to him, and and he was willing to go in. And and, and you know, Tom saw something in him, like kind mm-hmm. of his jib, and uh, you yep. know, maybe his minor celebrity as a failed tennis star right. has something to do with it. And of course, he's, he's attractive, so. Attractive people tend to have more doors open for them, mm-hmm. regardless of sex.
0: So I think it's possible that he got that job with the clear intent of being a gold digger. Or do you think that was just?
2: Well, I
1: think he had to have the talent to do it. You know, obviously, to begin with, you can't just have any Joe Schmo going and teach tennis. You know, that level of ex- you know, expectation with it as well. So, but um, yeah, I think that he definitely wanted to make mix and mingle, rub elbows with the rich.
2: Right. You know. How, I, it's, it's, you know, the, there's great leaps of time in this film, and I, I was sort of startled by that. It's, you know, it, it sort of the action sort of suggests a continuity, but then you see things that happen. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of time passes, like the jobs that he gets, mm-hmm. and he's obviously had to perform. Right. So you know, it's it's luck and opportunism and ability. Um, but you know, one of those leaps occurs when when he's at the tennis club, and then you see the shot of him reading Crime and Punishment, and then you see the shot of him reading the or he switches that out for the for the Cliff Notes, more or less. Mm-hmm. And yet, you later find that the father really enjoyed the conversation. So, did he at some point identify and target Dostoevsky, right. particularly,
0: or was that a coincidence?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. One thing I noticed, and actually, I only noticed in this most recent viewing of it, and I'm wondering if I'm making any, if if, if I'm pouring too much into this, or if it's something you notice as well. Um, the question is, why do you think Christopher calls? Nora's name before he kills her. You you understand? I mean, he could have just shot her from the back uh, and oh, her he death was, would be completely... Did he want to see her face? Is that did, or or did, she, did could it be that he wanted her to see his face?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, does that add another, I don't know, depraved quality? to? Or is it, I mean, I just don't see why he would do that. Other well, maybe than, it
1: was a better shot. You know, you know, her turning around, yeah, so we could aim for the chest a little bit better, aim for the heart,
0: uh huh. You know, could be. I mean, that thing was gonna, that, that was yeah, a, I
1: mean, that would have blown her away, anyway. yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I, I'm wondering if it had something to do with this plot of the you know, she surprised a burglar, so she had to be shot in the front, right? Uh, but you know, you, you could argue yeah, she you know, turned she to sleep. She, might have, she would have turned around to see. Right. But she yeah. would have tried to, if she was That's fleeing, she would have tried to flee down the stairs. Right. right into, I don't know. I. It's cold, though, I mean, to, to mm-hmm. look someone in the face. Who, I can't believe that there's nobody else in the building that didn't hear a shot go off. You know what I mean? The shot is muted. You see so many, yeah. so many things where the shot is so exaggerated in the mm-hmm. sound. I, I remember reading a story where one of the, um, you know, when, when in Bonnie and Clyde, um, they they amplified uh, Beatty amplified the gunshots mm-hmm. and then he was attending a screening and and the projectionist he asked him like what he thought of the film the projectionist said it was good but I had to keep turning the volume down for the gunshots
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beatty
2: was like no so here you know I guess the opposite mm-hmm. like you said there was a scene where they damp the background noise so that it really, when they're yeah. Like, yeah. When, yeah when they're at well the, when he sees her at the Tate modern and walks over to her, all you hear is
1: his footsteps yeah. and then when they're at the bar. You know, the, like, all the background noise is done. Right. You know, there's no other, no other than their conversation. Right. You know,
0: yeah, which kind of reflects often what it's like when you're with someone. And, right. And, and, and just, your whole
2: world is just that. Yes, you right. Know, exactly. Moment. Yeah. Right. And maybe that could be true with the sound of the gun, like, in where you want to create tension, like, oh, my God, the people could hear me, you amplify the gun, but he's almost... Detached, so mm-hmm. maybe it's muffled in his mind. I don't know. Shotguns are pretty loud, though. Yeah, that's the thing.
1: You know, and it was different. I mean, it was like a grouse hunting gun or whatever, you know, like just meant for sport. Right. So maybe it's a little bit different. I've never shot something like that, so I don't know.
2: I haven't either, but I know, you know, with a grouse, with, with certain guns, you don't want to blow the animal apart. Right. And so I'm almost wondering... Yeah, because they're rather small. They're not yeah, a big bird or whatever, would a, would a
1: grouse gun kill a human? I mean, Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face and he <laughs> right, survived. <laughs> right, right. Well, the other thing I think of, too, is like when they left. Remember when he left the building in a rush for him and he was running out of that building? Yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, so, you know, when I was watching it, it, occurred to me, you know, that she was going to her apartment mm-hmm. on, a, on a high. Yeah. You know, she was. And she
1: clearly talked to her, you know, co-worker about him. Because mm-hmm. that person says, was that him? You know.
0: Yeah, when she comes home, the last thing that goes through her mind is seeing her, you know, that she's about to be killed by this right. man that she thinks that she's going to spend the rest of her life with. I mean, right. good God. I, think, yeah. I wonder if she would have put in
2: her diary that she was pregnant because there was no mention of it at the police station. Right. There was no mention uh, at that point it was over. It was, And it's just, that to me, that makes a murder you know? right. so much more horrifying. And somebody did say something too, like, about that right the old lady did when you know oh the, in the conscious in the dream sequence okay. yeah and what about your child you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think the uh, I think Woody Allen g- goes a bit further with I mean he could have uh, written this piece where you have just the murder of um, of Nola but he just he takes that extra step I mean he could have perfectly you know this movie would have been uh, just fine if, if that was the only murder but for some reason he what goes, if he had
1: killed Chloe Instead,
0: that's right.
1: As a widow, he would—who wouldn't? your widow, or he would have he inherited her money, and then ran right. off I of thought oh, yeah. that
0: might right. have
2: been where, where, he was going when he was downstairs getting the shotgun. Right. You know? I thought he was actually going to. but She didn't shoot. I was going to say maybe he was going to plug the shotgun so that it backfired on oh, him. But, you know, you're right. I, when he went to kill Scarlett Johansson, I was like, why? Why is he doing that for? Because mm-hmm. he wanted to be with her. And he right. wanted the money. Yeah. The real target should have been Chloe. There might
1: have been more scrutiny under, you know, a murder of a wealthy woman. True. Could have hired somebody probably to investigate a little bit the more. The father
0: completely. would have turned the world upside down, yeah. too. Because yeah. of the bottom of that. Um right. No, you know, spare no expense. Did uh, Christopher love either one of, one of them, do you think? Is, was he capable mm, of it? I don't know. No. I think they each had something he wanted, and he took it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The there was an animal nature to him, you know. Yeah. And, and not there wasn't
1: that. this natural intimacy between him and Chloe. No. You know, that awkward breakfast, you know, when they're trying to struggle to make polite conversation with each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're truly in love with somebody, either you have, like, you know, arguments first thing in the morning and, you know, little, what are you doing that for, you know, or something like that. Right. Like, that doesn't go there, you know, something, you know, there's mm-hmm. nothing like that. There's no intimacy.
0: And I don't, I don't think that's out of the ordinary either. I mean, um, present company excluded, I'm sure. Um, you don't, I mean, some people do marry people they don't love.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, it, it's, and it's not even a case where they fall out in love with them. They, yeah. They don't love them at the beginning. And, right. And they, one thing leads they to another.
1: They figure that it'll happen.
0: Yeah, at yeah. some point
1: or
2: another. Did yeah. Chloe love him? I mean, the first I time they so. make love on film, she's obviously enjoying it. And he's enjoying it. And so there's an element of lust involved. But mm-hmm. after that, the lovemaking between them becomes rote. Yeah, I mean, she's, And you know, yeah. she have to take my temperature. Mm-hmm. We have to do it now because because the doctor said. And um, you know, and she quickly buys him, like she buys him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering too if it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: She, she loves, loves the idea love him. of him. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think she's all for her appearances. Remember her friend at the Tate Modern said, "Oh, and so and so had a baby, and they are so happy." You
2: know, as right. if that's you know, it's like she's competing with those with other people.
1: Look, like, right. I'm happy too. Yeah. You
2: know, and if you have a problem in your marriage, baby is going to exacerbate right. it, not right. solve it.
0: That's exactly. True. What do you think about the uh, I don't know if the lack of a better description, the ghost scene you mentioned earlier? Well, but um,
1: well, I think it's more like a Greek you know, type of... Shakespearean, almost. Yeah. Right,
2: you know, Hamlet's ghost, you know, coming
0: out you
2: know. Yeah. It, well, what do you think that scene does? Because if you took that scene out of the movie, would it change the movie? Would it change the pace? Would it change our understanding of his character as it's been established?
0: You know, obviously, the, the, the goal of the scene is to express um, maybe some, you know, the, the temptation of guilt, mm-hmm. which he doesn't seem to, you know... Give, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, you could show that in other ways, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's very interesting that you have this magical realism moment in a film that's otherwise pretty uh, literal. Maybe he wants to have a conscience
2: and he just can't. Like, he right. tries to cry. He tries to be scared. But it goes away quickly. Maybe he's
0: disturbed by himself at some point, on some true. level. Yeah. Yeah. Me, even Macbeth, uh, you know, he has his guilt dreams after. Right, him, right? so... It, you know, it's in that sort of tradition. So, I don't know. Maybe it's the suggestion that even horrible people, um, depraved people, can feel an element of guilt—not enough to keep them from doing what they right. will well, do.
2: Sociopaths, from my understanding of it, I could be wrong. If there's anyone out there that is a professional, to feel free to or a sociopath or <laughs> elucidate. But to you, you know, they, they can play emotions <laughs> in other people. They can manipulate, so they can be aware of it. Like they can mirror. But they're very good about reading a
1: situation and yeah. knowing
0: what the people in that situation want to. Right. You know. Sure. If there are sociopaths listening. Please uh, write in. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but but please write. We don't want to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> <Seek> help. <laughs> you know who you are.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that kind of it, it's it's really tough to pin him down, which I guess is an indication of, of, of good writing. You know, you can't just. Yeah. It would be, I think. Um, I don't know, too easy just to write, okay, this is a completely evil character, right, which he does evil things, um, and it kind of prompts that question you know um
1: yeah because he's he's a likable you get the impression that he's actually a likable person because that friend takes
0: meets him, him on point. the
1: street and it's just like hey, you know it's not like oh, it's you, okay uh-huh you know're yeah. such a jerk on tour or whatever blah 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 sure
0: but even people like him have <coughs> they have, they have the survival instincts to be able to give people what they need to... Mm-hmm. To earn that liking, you know. Would it be yeah.
2: a subtext of Woody Allen to say you can be an extremely talented person and do horrible things and still be likable? Interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, there has to be yeah. some
1: likable quality to him, because I think, like, you know, obviously Tom gets rid of things that bore him, you know, like Chloe, not Chloe, um, Nola, and uh, you know, moves on to something else, something new with the gadgets, like the cars, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so if he were truly kind of bored and didn't think that Tom, or fit in that would have been it
0: you know horrible people can be very charismatic and yeah. charming and you know
1: yeah politicians
2: <laughs>
0: Ted Bundy mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. right um, so I guess you know one of the overall questions I think to finish up, to finish up our discussion here is um, you know do you um, you take issue at all with the bleak message of the film I mentioned earlier that sometimes it, re- it kind of repulses part of us that want that comeuppance for characters, but in mm-hmm. um, usually films that have this sort of message aren't all oh, that you know marketable, and they you know I, I, I've met people who really they'll feel literally ripped off, like they want their money back mm-hmm. um, if they see a film that does not have a life-affirming message. And this film, obviously, absolutely does not.
1: <laughs> oh, right.
0: Um, so, I don't know, do, you, do do you take issue with that, or do you think, you know what, we, we need art like this to... Well, I just think it's honest, too. You know, some people do get away with it. Yeah. You know, how many unsolved crimes
2: are there out there? Oh, okay. yeah, that's, that's I think there's a lot of films that go out of their way to have a moral or a message, and I think a lot of films are just want to tell a story, right? And you know, there's nowhere in this film that I see you know any evidence of Woody Allen is trying to say, hey, look at this. There's a yeah, lesson. It's kind to of me heavy right. Yeah, I mean, it's an entertaining <clears throat> film. It's well shot, well acted, uh, surprising. Well yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, I don't think this was a message film. Uh, I think. I mean, you can argue, you can take a message from anything, but, right. you know, um, but these people exist, and, okay, I don't want to get too far into this, but we, we talked about the idea of Joker, and I, I disliked the film I Joker, I found it to be a film that, that was irresponsible in trying to send a message, whereas I don't think that this film was irresponsible, because I don't think Woody Allen is telling us to root for this character, or telling us, you know, in fact, I was angry at the end that he got away with it, but... Um, I would. Yeah. No, no way was I ever being shown that, that that this is a character I should admire or worship.
0: Right. So, yeah. So the the evil deeds aren't being glorified. Do you? F- I mean, I haven't seen the film, but I mean, uh, we should probably do an entire podcast on it. But do you think I, what makes it different from the Joker film that perhaps the acts of the Joker were uh, made made you know were they were they glorified in any way?
2: Yes, and they're they're misunderstood and and and. The, the people who suffer from his crimes, um, you know, it's supposed to be striking back at the rich and the privileged and the wealthy, but, but more, more poor people suffer from his crimes. He, he, he brutally murders, you know, a woman and a child. It's done off screen, but it's it's there for no particular reason, and and his friend as well, uh, who just kind of irritated him at one point. So I think, yeah, I think that that film um, heavily, heavy-handedly tries to paint him as some sort of... Uh, um, Symbol of of the the poor and the the insane that are abused to be striking back at society, but it really doesn't. Right, right. It's, it's uneven in how he does it.
0: Yeah, I do want to see it. I mean, your reaction alone makes me want to see it. But um, I wasn't. I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll wait till it's out on uh, on demand or what have you. But well,
2: ironically, when I when I posted my opinions and people began to discuss, and some people gave me some very good. Um, Alternate takes on the way to look at the film, but those discussions never turned into nastiness or finger pointing as the way it easily could have. I was mm-hmm. impressed with that. You know, there's people that respectfully said, "There's another way to look at it," or "This is what I got out of it." You know, in this film, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's irresponsible. I think that there's, um, uh, you know, I, I came away feeling, you know, the guy didn't deserve to get away with it, but he did, mm-hmm. as opposed to me cheering him getting away with right. it. Right, I see.
1: Yeah, and you know, like even another film that came out about 10 years after this, but Blue Jasmine, you know, she kind of gets hers too. You know what I mean? You kind true. of, at one point, root for her to kind of, you know, be engaged to that Peter Sarsgaard character, but, you know, when mm. it doesn't materialize, you're just kind of like, well, it's kind of what you get. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So I think that he doesn't, you know, Woody Allen's good about not, you know, kind of stepping back. You know, I don't think he has much, you know, moral legitimacy to kind of wag a finger at anybody, but you know, as far as that goes, I don't think he's trying to do that with his films. Right. Just kind of presenting like, society as it exists. It's not yeah. it's
2: not
0: a parable by any right. stretch. Yeah. You know, we're, the never, dark one.
2: we're never manipulated to try to forgive him his actions Right, right. at all. It's right. quite quite the opposite, in yeah. fact we we see uh, how evil he is. Yeah, yeah. We're disgusted by it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that it ends with the appearance of the baby as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it just right said, a wonder for that kid. a wonder for the kid.
2: Well, was, it, was that his or was that the brother? No, that of, was they had just brought the baby home from the hospital.
0: Jonathan Reese Myers' baby. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, I thought it was uh, the brother and his wife's baby. The, the no. Oh.
0: Because no, remember, she okay. says, I
1: bet you the next one's a girl. Okay. Yeah. And she's saying, but he is such a handsome boy. Because you know, <laughs> she would never say anything else about her own child. Remember, she makes that evil, you know, like kind of almost evil comment about the adoption too. No, no, I want my own children. You know, yeah, as right. if like adoption's such a horrible thing.
2: Yeah, and but, a, as know? an adoptive parent, I, right. I, I was looking at that, going, "Yeah, she's she's not." No, you know, going she, into this for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No. Yeah, you just you assume that that baby's going to grow up without um, enough love. Right. Certainly not from his father. but I don't know. Maybe, I guess maybe Woody Allen might. You know, in his world, maybe uh, he could be a good father. I mean, I don't know. Right. True. <laughs> you know, this. I mean, a lot of his characters have intense contradictions mm-hmm. in a good in a, in a good way because people yeah. have contradictions. So. Of course. So. I think uh, I think that wraps up this discussion, guys. It was great. Um, I enjoyed this, and uh, I hope um, everyone who has seen this film would uh, chime in and um, make some comments on Facebook and uh, perhaps rate us on iTunes and. Students, uh, hope this helps you in your film analyses. And uh, we uh, we look forward to our next podcast. Perhaps it will be the Joker, the Irishman. Who knows? Maybe something new. Uh, but we uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of the Classroom Critics Podcast. And uh, we will you'll hear from us next time. Thanks. Bye.